a privilege and a joy to just be able to be here this morning and to be able to bring the word. And uh, I'm excited about this. We've we talked about this several months ago, and they said, "Well, what if you did this week, the third week?" And we're talking about the idea of being connected, and that's kind of our overall theme. And they talked about, what about if we did connecting with God's Word? So that's what we're going to talk about today a little bit. And uh, throughout this month, we're taking a look at the various aspects of being connected. So today, being connected with God's Word. And uh, throughout this month, we're wanting to look at those things that are, are good, the things that are the best things for us to be connected to. And as Pastor Mark was just saying, you know, we want to make sure that we are having our focus in the right place, that we really are living like Christ is our highest priority. And so uh, we want to take this time to examine ourselves and say, is that really my highest priority? When I stop and, and just look at everything in my life, is that what I'm doing? And so sometimes we don't even realize that we spend a good amount of time or attention and energy on some other thing. Because sometimes we just kind of drift, Right? Our natural tendency is just to drift unless we're purposeful about it. And so through this month, we want to draw our attention to these things. I loved how a couple weeks ago when we talked about this, uh, Pastor Mark pointed out that the whole Christmas story is all about connection. It's that connection with God. And God is the one who initiated that connection. That he's the one who came and he dwelt among us. Matthew one twenty three says, uh, quoting from the prophet Isaiah, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And Matthew goes on to explain that just a little bit more. And he says, which translated, translated means God with us. God wants to be connected to us so much that he came to dwell among us. So he initiated that connection with us. And then in order for us to properly connect with God, we are going to need to take some action going forward. We need to do things to maintain that healthy spiritual life, that connection with him. That, so, in a sense, it is up to us to keep that connection going. And when we respond to his call to follow him, accept him as our Lord and Savior, in that moment, he cleanses us from our sin. Praise the Lord, right? He's one and done thing. He's wanting us to keep journey with him. Because that isn't just a one and done thing. He's wanting us to keep moving with him. And he wants to take us from our sin-filled, sin-stained lives and transform us into someone who is more and more Christ-like all the time. But he's not going to force us to do anything like that. He's not going to make us into spiritual robots, right? We don't all of a sudden just start moving around and saying, praise the Lord. Can we sing oceans again, please? You know, it's, it's, it's not like that. He allows us to make those decisions. He wants us to be on that journey. He desires us to be on that journey, but he's not going to force us to do anything. So, as I said before, today I want us to talk about uh, a main avenue or pathway to maintain that ongoing connection with God, and that's to connect to God through his word. And in my opinion, so this may not be stated in the Bible anywhere, but I think this is one of the most important ways for us to connect with God to understand who he is. We learn all about him through here, and we get to understand who he is, his heart, his character, his love for us. And we get to understand even his capabilities. We talked about it, just his miracle-working power. You know, 
we get to see that time and time again as we read some of the stories and we read the things that God has in store for us. We read about his provision, his healing, his deliverance, those types of things that we're not going to get anywhere else but through his word. And we can understand that and that can build our faith, right? And as we begin to understand that, we also begin to understand who we are. That we are new people in Christ. That as believers, we are called sons and daughters of the Almighty God. That we are now people who get to walk with God. And we have that hope and that that expectation that someday, when eternity comes, when He comes back, we get to spend eternity with Him. That's an exciting thing as well. Amen? Amen. So, if we don't have regular intake of His Word, we're not going to know these things. We're not going to understand who he is or who we are in him. And consequently, we won't grow in Christ-likeness, which is our goal. So because we're talking about connecting to God's word, let's take our Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 1. We're going to see what God's word can show us about connecting to him through his word. And I'm going to warn you in advance that we're going to look at a number of Bible passages today. Okay, so call me crazy, but since we're talking about connecting to God's word... I feel like we should get into God's Word a little bit, right? So, when you get to the moment, and in a few of the past, start at verse 46. Uh, in this time uh, of human history, the Jews were well acquainted with the Scriptures. They knew what God had done for them. They knew that the Messiah, the Son of God, was coming. And they were waiting with great hope and anticipation for that day to come. They couldn't wait for the arrival, for the advent of the Messiah. And so, for the Jewish person at that time, this was just part of who they were. You see, they knew the law, they knew the Psalms, they knew all of the prophets. That was just part of the very fabric of their lives. That scripture was a huge part. It was woven into everything that they did. Picture this. At a very early age, even before they would go to school, they were already learning pieces of the law. They would learn the Jewish creed, the Shema, which says out of Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. At a very early age, they were already beginning to understand and know this. The child would also memorize passages from the law. They would learn a few Proverbs and they would learn a few uh, designated Psalms. That was part of how... They would grow up. Then, when they actually went to school, the, the, the rabbi or the instructor would teach them. And he would, in a sense, drill them on the pieces of the law. And he would have them recite it back to them. And the student would then be able to know the fine points of the law and be able to understand it from a variety of different angles and how it would apply in their everyday life. So for the Jew, this was not just a unique thing for their culture, it was a very vital part of their lives. They understood it as God's very words to them. And so they studied it. They learned it. And when they had spoken it, when, when they knew what God had spoken to them, they were to know it, they were to obey it, and they were to hold on to those prophecies. So with that frame of reference, let's look at Mary's story after she's been told that she will be the mother of the Messiah. Verse 46, uh, we pick it up after she has gone to visit her cousin Elizabeth. It says, And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, 
And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. For he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him in the thoughts of their heart. He has with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. So in this praise that Mary proclaims, she recognizes that God has chosen her, an ordinary young Jewish woman, to be the mother of the promised Messiah. And she doesn't take that lightly, but she realizes that because of God, she's blessed. And not only because of this, but just as being a woman who God loves and she knows that she is a child of God, she begins to recall the truths from his scriptures as she continues to worship the Lord. Look at verse 50 where she says, And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. When she says this, she's actually, because she has the scriptures in her already, she draws from a verse in Psalm 103, which she had learned. There it says, But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children. She understands that what was said back in the scripture applies to her even now. That from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, the loving kindness and the mercy of the Lord is on her. Similarly, in verse 53, when she proclaims, he has filled the hungry with good things, she's in his essence quoting from Psalm 107, where it says, for he has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. She's remembering all of these things and she's able to just bless the Lord and, and praise him for what he's done. And at the end of her praise, she concludes with the acknowledgement that the promise of the Messiah is being fulfilled. She sees it's coming. She refers to the promise made to Abraham regarding the blessing of his descendants made way back in Genesis chapter 22. There God spoke to Abraham and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Indeed, I will greatly bless you. And I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Mary saw that God's promise was about to be fulfilled. She drew on all of her knowledge of the scriptures. She could remember that God had told me now. It was relevant to her in that day. Respond after the birth of his son, whom we know as John the Baptist. Says in verse 67, And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David his servant, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, 
the oath which he swore to Abraham our father, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, with which the sunrise from on high will visit us, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. In this prophecy that Zacharias declares, he, like Mary, recalls the truths and prophecies from Scripture that he has learned that are relevant in this time. And he sees that they also are beginning to be fulfilled. From his vantage point, he can now see, wow, things are starting to fall into place, that the Messiah is coming. And in a way, it's like the light bulb went on for him via the power of the Holy Spirit. In verses 69 and 70, when he talks about the horn of salvation being raised up, just as the holy prophets spoke about, he's recalling a prophecy from Jeremiah chapter 23, which says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. He's making that correlation about it being raised up to David, just like the prophet said, and he's seeing, yes, the righteous branch from David is about to come, and he's going to be the king. He's going to be the one who rules over the entire earth. And going down to verse 76, he recognizes that his own son John the one that he received a direct promise from an angel about, he also sees that it's going to be a fulfillment of Scripture as John goes out and prepares the way for the ministry of the Messiah. In that moment, Zacharias remembers what Isaiah had prophesied. He says, A voice is calling, Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. He realizes that John is now going to be the forerunner of the Messiah that he's going to be the one that comes and begins to help people realize, you know, to the letter of the law, but it is about the legal rules, you know, to the letter of the law, but it is about repenting and following God with our hearts. And because Zacharias had learned the scriptures, he understood that the prophecies concerning the coming of the Messiah were coming to pass. I want you to skip down further to Luke chapter 2, verse 25, to look at one more example a man by the name of Simeon. He's not usually known as uh, someone who's part of the Christmas story, but he meets the Messiah eight days after he's born. It's pretty cool. Verse 25 says, And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death, before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. 
and a sword will pierce even your own soul, to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So as we see here, Simeon was a man who was connected to God, just like Mary, just like Zacharias. He is described in verse 25 as being righteous and devout and looking for the consolation of Israel. So he knew the scriptures. He knew about the Messiah coming and he was waiting. He was ready. He just wanted the Messiah to come and to to fulfill all that had been prophesied about him. And because of this, he walked with God. He didn't say, okay, that's head knowledge. That's good. I'll just file it away. He took that and he ran with it. He just walked with God because he knew that God was going to fulfill it. And through the Holy Spirit's revelation, he knew that he personally would see the Messiah before he himself died. Wouldn't that be a cool promise to have? Like, before you die, you're going to see the Messiah. That would be pretty spectacular. So when the Holy Spirit directs him to the baby Jesus, he goes. He's like, this is it. This is my opportunity. And he blesses God. He just looks, and under the child will be the fulfillment of souls. That goes back to a couple different prophecies in Isaiah. Uh, first one is in Isaiah 42, 6, where he says, And I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations. And a little bit later in Isaiah 49, 6, the Lord says, I will also make you a light of the nations, so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. This was going to be a light that went all across the world. Praise the Lord. And each of these individuals, Mary, Zacharias, Simeon, they had a connection with God through his word. And as they did, it was life-changing for them. Through their upbringing and culture, they knew what his word said, but each went beyond just knowing it, and they allowed it to sink in and allowed his word to direct them, to guide them, to propel them to do what God was calling them to do, and also to transform them. Mary desired to serve the Lord and walk with him, and he chose her to be the mother of the Messiah. Zacharias was a priest. He should have known the law. He should have known the rules uh, that God had laid out. But it went beyond that. And in Luke 1, 6, we read that he was righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly with him. That was how Zacharias and his wife were described. They were righteous before God because they knew and they wanted to obey. And Simeon is described as righteous and devout when the Holy Spirit being upon him. They maintained their connection with God through his word and God continued to transform them because of it. So I've taken a lot of time here this morning just to talk about the connection these individuals had with God through his word. And I hope that you're beginning to catch the impact of having this regular Bible intake into us is important for our daily lives. So now we're going to try to apply these examples to our own lives, to try to bring that in and help us to see maybe there's areas that we can grow in. Um, So for those who have read and been through the Good and Beautiful God classes uh, or read through the books, what is this? Triangle of change. We say this over and over. And... It's very simplistic, but we have three points to the triangle, right? If you're a math person, you know that there are three points to a triangle, right? So at the top of the triangle, we have right narratives. We want to understand the right things. We want to know the truth. We want to know the things that God says about himself, and we want to know the things that God says about us, and also 
how he would like us to live, how he desires us to live for our benefit. Another point of the triangle is practicing. We practice exercises to help us all disciplines. Uh, we develop rhythms. We practice exercises to help us ultimately improve how we function, how we live, how we go about our daily lives. And the last point is that we participate in community with other believers. We come to church. We get involved in small group or classes. Um, and in the community, we can encourage each other and sharpen each other. We can help each other to grow. And sometimes when we're feeling low, maybe we can help that person uh, just remember the truths of God's word. And, and so we remember that we can help each other. And in the middle of all of that, right in the middle, is the Holy Spirit. And he's directing us. He's guiding us. And he's pointing us towards God at all times. He's wanting us through either uh, having the right narratives or through these disciplines or through community to be pointed towards God at all times. And how does that affect our lives then? And so he works in us through these three points to bring about the transformation into Christ-likeness that God wants to accomplish in us. So, as it relates to connecting to God's word, we see that having Bible intake is a spiritual exercise. It's a discipline that we can be involved in. And when we engage in it, uh, we can connect with God. We can have, uh, we take the time to engage with his word. Now, I know a lot of us, when we hear the word discipline or exercise, we probably are sitting and going, Ugh. right? No one likes discipline. No one likes to do exercise. Okay, some people like to exercise. But that's not the norm necessarily. We often think of disciplines or those types of things as, I just need to check the box. Okay, I did it. I'm done. Now I can move on. But a man, uh, a professor named Donald Whitney said it like this, discipline without direction is drudgery. Right? And I think we can all say, yeah. When we do things but we don't understand why we do them, it's kind of, it is yuck. Right? We can do the disciplines, but it's painful if we don't understand why we should do them. So, as you know, I play the piano. Okay? I started when I was six. My parents had bought a piano uh, for the family, and we were able to get six free lessons through the place that we bought the piano from. What a deal, right? Six free lessons with the piano. It's almost like six free oil changes with your $50,000 car. Uh, so we, we did that, and I, I started to get some basics uh, at that time, and then we moved to another state. And when I was eight, I started with a woman by the name of Mrs. Johnson. And piano teachers, she was one of them. You, you know, if you, if you have those pictures of, what am I going to do with theory? What am, why am I ever going to use this? Um, but I practiced day after day. That's what I was supposed to do. And so sometimes through tears and much anguish, I would practice. And uh, because I didn't understand why I was having to learn and practice these things. It, I didn't understand the end. I thought practicing and going to lessons, that was the end. <laughs> Literally, sometimes that was the end, right? Um, and so I would play at recitals. I'd play at different competitions. And, but I thought that's all that there was to it. I didn't understand why I had to do that. And the common complaint that... Uh, my wife will hear from students as a math teacher, when am I ever going to use this again? Right? Why do I need to know that X equals this? 
That was kind of how I felt sometimes about piano. What, this is great, but if all I'm ever going to do is practice these things out of books, what is that going to do? But then it happened. Somehow I got asked to participate in uh, the youth worship team at church. And then it started to make more sense. And as I got more involved, oh, this is why I had to go through music theory and go through and understand chords. And all of it clicked for me in in a new way. I could play this way and it would sound like this. And that would gel. And I could play this way and it wouldn't gel. So let's go back to that way and try that again. Add this note and it has a different feel. Um, but So then I started to at least have that understanding of why I was doing some of the things that I did. So a spiritual discipline such as Bible intake can be just like that if we don't understand why we engage in it. So remember, the goal of the life of a believer is Christ-likeness. We want to grow and grow in Christ-likeness all the time. And God wants us to continue to grow as well. So if that is our goal, how do we become more like Christ? Well, 1 Timothy 4.7 uh, tells us this, and Paul gives us a clear answer. He says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Do these things, the things that we find in Scripture, to find and pursue godliness. Because as you do them, God's going to do a work in you. Becoming like Jesus is the purpose of practicing these disciplines and soul training exercises. The goal of this, of Bible intake, is not so much about doing as it is about being. We want to be like Jesus. Be more and more Christ-like. So, as a way by which we position, or any other soul training exercise for that matter, as a way by which we position ourselves in the path of God's grace, of his voice, and we are just seeking him. So it's all about we're wanting to be like Christ. And if we will place ourselves before God, for instance, through Bible intake, we make ourselves available to him. We open up ourselves and we say, God, I want you to speak to me. I want you to point out the things that I need to hear, Um, whether it's about my situation or you're saying we need to work on this. Whatever it is, Lord. And when we make ourselves available to him and we look for him there by faith, we can expect, we can expect to encounter him, to experience him, and to see what he has for us. And as we encounter him day by day, week by week, month by month, year after year after year, he will transform us. He's going to take us from who we are right now, wherever we're at, he will take us right now and he'll move us into someone who is more and more Christ-like over time. Someone who reflects his love, his joy, his gentleness, his goodness, his self-control. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us this, and this can be kind of our fundamental basis. It says, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof or rebuking, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, Equipped for every good work. We can engage in God's word to find out about being more Christ-like. Now, as we talk about Bible intake, there are many ways to accomplish this. I'm going to give you a few practical ways that we can do this. So, you may say, I already do that. 
great. That's awesome. I'm glad that you do. But if you are kind of in a rut, do we ever get in a rut where we do the same thing over and over and it just kind of loses its life? Sometimes we need to do things perhaps a little differently. So here are just a few that I've studied and come up with. They're not unique to me, though, and there are plenty more. But here are a few. First of all, and this is probably the easiest one that you can do. And because you're here today, most of us are engaging in it right now. And that is hearing God's word. And I say most of us because some people may have tuned out. That's okay. Um, But here we go. We're going to get refocused and redisciplined on it. So by being here on a Sunday morning, you're engaging in the discipline of hearing God's word. You're hearing, always hearing God's word, a discipline. God's word. And you may think, really? That is having Bible intake, and we're beginning to think about it. If we don't discipline ourselves to hear God's word regularly, we likely will only hear it accidentally or randomly. We, it'll be like going through the radio stations, right? Okay, I, want to, uh, I don't want to hear that one. Uh, I don't feel like that. Maybe I'll just turn this off. Uh, I don't want to do that. But if we can be focused and purposeful, we now begin to set our attention on it. And if we don't hear it, how can we expect to observe it and then follow Christ? For most of us, engaging in hearing God's word simply means that we develop the practice of consistently attending a Bible-believing church. That's a pretty simple thing, right? Other than maybe having to get out of bed, get yourself, your spouse. Well, maybe you don't have to dress your spouse. Maybe you have to dress your kids. Um, You know, you may have some extra things to get you there. But once you are here and you discipline yourself to do that, think of the wonderful benefits of of hearing God's word. Week after week, this is a a place that we are going to preach God's word. At Portview Church, if you weren't aware already, the Bible is our foundation. It's one of our core values. It's the thing that we will live and die on. The Bible is our foundation, and we are going to preach that, and we want to do that faithfully as well. So we use it as a basis for all that we teach and we do. So one way to engage in the Bible uh, intake is by hearing God's word. And if you miss a Sunday, you can catch the podcast uh, or even just... Sometimes even hearing audio tapes of God's word being read can be awesome. Just life-giving. All right, a second way to engage in Bible intake involves just a little bit more effort. All it is is reading God's word. Okay, In Matthew 4.4, Jesus said, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. As we have said, the Bible is the word of God. And as we have the Bible... The inspired word of God is now at our disposal. So in order to live on every word that has come out of the mouth of God, we need to read these words that have come from God, right? If we want to understand and live on every word that comes from God, we need to read the word. And and so by engaging in reading his own words and thinking about them, the Holy Spirit then has an avenue, again, for transforming our heart and our thinking. So as an encouragement to you, and not in any type of condemning way at all, let me read this quote from British preacher John Blanchard from his book, How to Enjoy Your Bible. He said, We need to turn to the Bible. Be realistic and honest with ourselves to know how regularly we need to turn to the Bible. How often do we face problems, temptation, 
and pressure every day. So, how often do we need instruction, guidance, and greater encouragement? Every day. To catch all of these felt needs up into an even greater issue, how often do we need to see God's face, hear His voice, feel His touch, know His power? The answer to all these questions is the same. Every day. Now, if you are not one who reads every day, there's no condemnation. We're talking about moving forward. How can we get regular Bible intake for ourselves? Reading the Word is a great way. Um, And this is just meant to encourage you. Maybe this is a way that you can now participate in some Bible intake. On a practical level, if you're needing some help in this, here are some pointers for gaining success in Bible reading. Number one, find a time. I encourage you, find a consistent time. Uh... Each day to read his word. Just close that off. Mine is early in the morning. Um, maybe you need to, secondly, find a Bible reading plan to follow. Or you just start to go through different books of the Bible. One by one. Read a section or more. Or read some ch- a few chapters. And work your way through the Bible. Just soaking it in. Allowing God to speak to you through that. And then a final suggestion as you go through your reading. A lot of times, once we close this, we can forget what we just read, right? We All of a sudden, we get on track like, okay, I did this. Now I need to make breakfast or I need to go do this or I need to go to bed. Um, but if we can take a moment and just think on one word or one verse or one phrase that kind of jumped out at us, because the Holy Spirit will do that. He'll bring those words, those verses to our attention. Take that one thing and just think about that for a few minutes. How does that apply? How does that, uh, what does that mean to me? We allow the Holy Spirit to instill truth into our hearts and minds. For me, I've found, like I said, early morning to be the best. I will either roll out of bed or I'll do that after I've come back from working out and I will then get coffee going. I'll start to get people up in the house and, and set them on their way. And I'll sit and I'll read. And uh, I just invite God to speak to me as I read his word. I just, uh, I'll take through and, and read a chapter a couple of times. For this year, I've been going through something that is known as uh, a SOAP study method, uh, where I engage with God's Word. And SOAP just stands for Scripture. I'll take the Scripture verse or phrase that application and prayer. And so, I feel directed to. And then I write down an observation. What, what do I think God is telling me? Maybe it's just a general scenario. Maybe it's uh, just a truth out of there. Then I'll go to application. How does this apply to me personally? What do I need to gain from this? Maybe it's an encouragement. Maybe it's instruction. Maybe it's uh, just uh, a truth that I need to know about God's Word, about who He is and what He has for me. And finally, then it's a prayer. I'll write down a prayer. What is my response to what God has just said? Sometimes it's praise. Sometimes it is Lord, help me with this, this area, uh, what you've just shown me. Lord, I don't want to be like that anymore. I want to start to grow in this. So, Lord, help me. And and I continue to go on. Uh, And it'll be, that is a way for me that as I'm reading God's word, it becomes, uh, it sinks in just that little little bit much more. Okay, a third way, moving on from hearing God's word and reading God's word. This one, again, is going to take just a little more effort. Memorizing God's Word. 
And some of us right now, as I said, memorize are having traumatic flashbacks to school. Like having to memorize the preamble to the Constitution word for word in order to pass. That's not what this is about. You are not getting graded. It's not a pass-fail, anything like that. But remember that what we want to do is we want to grow in Christ-likeness. And so as we engage in different disciplines to help us be transformed, memorizing God's Word can be one of those avenues. Here are a few benefits to consider related to memorizing God's Word. One, it's going to supply us with spiritual power and strengthen our faith. The author of Psalm 119.11 wrote, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. When you've stored up scripture in your mind, it becomes available for the Holy Spirit to bring to your attention whenever you need it. And when you need it most, that's when he's going to supply that. This could be when you are tempted or when you're going through a tough time. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago just having a lot of different things going on Verses like, finally, brothers, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power would come to my mind. And yes, I can't do this on my own. I need the Lord's strength and power. Secondly, it provides a means of God's guidance. As we memorize scripture, the Holy Spirit can then use that to provide timely guidance for ourselves in different situations. For example, if you're a person who likes to speak their mind, sometimes you have to decide whether or not you should say what's on your mind in a situation. So, for example, some word proceed from your mouth. But of Ephesians 4.29, which says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Another thing is that memorization will stimulate meditation. It will help you to know God's word, and you can think about it anytime, anywhere. You don't have to have this right in front of you. If you have it memorized and you want to just think about a verse and think about God, boom, you now have a verse that you can call on and you can digest. You can think about it while you're driving or you're standing in line at the checkout, uh, which people can have a lot of time to do this time of year, right? Or maybe you're hiking or you're baking Christmas cookies or you're cleaning, uh, whatever it could be. Not only can you think about it, but you can also be encouraged or challenged by that verse. So as you allow God's word to sink into you and be uh, recalled to memory, it it can do some amazing things. One final thing that we'll look at as far as Bible intake is meditating on, on God's word. And just so we have the proper idea about meditation, this is not something where we have to cross our legs, we don't have to close our eyes, hold our fingers a certain way, and, and you know give weird sounds. Okay? That's not what Christian meditation is all about. In fact, uh, Christian meditation, I would argue, probably came before all of that. Um, but meditation involves us filling our mind with God and his truth. We think about the things of God. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell or think on these things. Meditation is deep thinking on the truths and the spiritual realities that have been shown to us through Scripture. It could also be thinking about life from a scriptural perspective. We allow the Bible to brew in the brain. We just, I I use a term, uh, marinate. We allow the Bible to just marinate in our mind. 
And here are a few practical ways just to meditate on God's word, because this can be kind of like a weird thought, meditating. But after reading a verse, maybe you just simply rewrite the text in your own words. What does this mean to me? How, how do I interpret what this says while still remaining true to what God's word says? But maybe I need to put it in my own words. A second way would be to look for applications of the text. Uh, you find out how you should respond to the text. What does this mean for me? What, what do I think? Thirdly, maybe you see as a result of it engaging with this size, the truth that we've just read and say, this is what God is saying. Fourthly, maybe we just need to ask ourselves how the text points to something about Jesus. We think about all of Scripture in light of Jesus and, and his coming. And so we look at the text to see what it tells us about who Jesus is, what he's done, and what he still can do. Um, and so because we're talking about connecting with God through his word by engaging in Bible intake, we've also put together a resource for you for this week. As we're trying to have a connected Christmas, uh, we want to... Uh, be involved in those meaningful activities that are going to help us to be connected. And as we're trying to be connected to God's word, we have an exercise that will help you do that. Out on the table in the cafe as you leave, there's a a recipe card uh, on doing Alexio Divina. So some may be familiar with what that is. Basically, that's Latin for a divine reading. So we're going to read God's word, and uh, it will tell us, so the card will tell you not only what it is, but then it gives you kind of that instruction on how to go through it. So we're providing you with a few verses to just think about, especially as we go into the week right before Christmas, uh, of how you can read the Word and allow what we've been talking about to really sink in. We can read it, we can reflect on it, we can respond, and then we can just rest in that Scripture. And sometimes that's what we need to do. We just need to sit and allow God to speak to our hearts and lives. So grab one on your way out. And if by chance we run out uh, at the table, because we're all wanting to be connected to God's word this week, it's going to be out on the website as well uh, later, under the media resources and, and download section of the website. So as we wrap up today, my desire is that we all become people who engage in regular Bible intake. And sometimes we need to... Uh, Spice it up a little bit. We need to do things that are going to help us. So if, if you say, I, I keep reading and I, I, it, it's not doing anything for me, try something different. Try something where instead of just reading and, okay, I read, all right, I'm done. Sit in it for a little bit. Meditate on God's word. Allow him to speak to you. Because when we do, we open up to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And again, our goal is Christ-likeness, Right? We want to become more like Christ each and every day. And it's a process. One that's day by day, week by week, year after year. And he's going to take us from where we are right now and he's going to change us into someone who's more and more like Christ every day as we allow him to. Because he is and what he does will help us do that. Because we learn and understand who he is and what he does and who we are in him and what he desires for us. Amen? Would you stand with me as we pray? Lord, we thank you so much for the gift of your word. We thank you that we have at our disposal the very words from your mouth and that you give them to us 
as a means to help us to grow, to be more Christ-like every day. That your desire is that we would continually draw near to you. And this is just one of the ways that we can do that. As we engage in Bible intake, we can have your word fill us more and more. And your Holy Spirit can speak to us. So Lord, I just pray that as we go through this week leading up to Christmas and many of the festivities and holidays, uh, celebrations that we're going to have, I pray that you would just help us to do uh, some meaningful activity, to connect with you through your word uh, and, and allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us. And that it wouldn't just be a thing that we are saying, okay, I need to check the box one more time, especially during this week. But Lord, that we would have a hunger and a desire for your word, that it would be something that grows more and more each day and that we have joy out of reading your word, uh, that, we, that we see who you are, that we see your love for us. We see the grace that you want to give to us each day. We see that we have been washed clean. We see that we have uh, been set free from our sin. And Lord, we just pray that you would guide us, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us in those moments, those exact things that we need to hear. Lord, I thank you that we belong to a family of believers where your word is our foundation. I thank you that we can be on the same page in that respect and allow your word to be the basis for all that we talk about, all that we do, how we can encourage each other, how we can lift each other up. And I pray that you would just be with us. Help us as we go forward in this week just to have you at the forefront of our minds that we would set our minds on you who is above and not on earthly things. Help us, Lord, to just walk in your presence throughout this week. We thank you, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.